Welcome to the First United Methodist Church. We hope our sermon broadcast will bless you. Scripture reading this morning is from Romans, the 12th chapter, verses 9 through 21, the New Revised Standard Version. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Pursue hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. And rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another, and do not be arrogant, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are, and do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. But leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us be in a spirit of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I have to confess, I'm still dealing with a little bit of reentry. That's what we call it at our house when we get back from vacation. And thanks to your good graces, we've been able to have that opportunity a couple of times this summer. And I just wanted to say thank you to both Carol and Kurt for covering for me while I was up on Beaver Island, probably sleeping. Oh, no. Kurt and I have had the opportunity to serve in similar communities and even neighboring communities off and on throughout our careers. We were comparing notes the other day where he was appointed, where I was appointed, da 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 Anyway, there was one period of time that our ministries actually overlapped a couple of years. I was serving a congregation and Kurt was serving another United Methodist congregation just down the road a piece. And I'm sorry to say our congregations thought of each other in terms of competition, but we won't go into that part. Anyway, Kurt and I had decided to carpool to a district meeting in Lansing. And uh, I was giving a presentation on credentialing of individuals to continue in the process to go into the ministry, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, and he was going because he was being obedient. How often does he do? Oh, never mind. I won't ask Ann that. 
Spousal, spousal privilege. Oh, a lot. Okay. Anyway, while we're sitting there, the secretary of the church comes in, and there are probably 20 of us from the district who are there, and she said something just happened in New York. An airplane just hit one of the Twin Towers. And we said, oh, we need to pray. So we did. And then she came in a few minutes later and she said, a second one just hit the Twin Towers. And at that point, we decided that we, just, we didn't just need to pray. We needed to return to our congregations. Which we did. It was a very quiet ride home. I don't think Kurt knew I could be so quiet. I had a sense of what was going to happen next. No proof, just a sense. So the week went on. We had prayer vigils, and the community was all stirred up and all that. So long about, let's see, that was Tuesday. Long about Wednesday, I called my United Methodist Women president and said, I know it's United Methodist Women Sunday in church, but um, I really think I need to preach. Can you give me the name and phone number of the district president who is going to come and be our guest preacher for the day? And she did, and I called her, and I said, I don't want to rob you of the opportunity, but I just feel in this time, given the circumstances, they need to hear from their pastor rather than from a guest. And her response was priceless. Thank you. Thank you. She was genuinely relieved. So I started working on my sermon, and I knew that my normal pattern of choosing something from the lectionary wasn't going to work this time. I typically preach from the lectionary. A lectionary is a selection of readings, one from the Old Testament, one from the Psalms, one from the Gospels, and the other from the Epistles. And I do it as a matter of spiritual discipline and study because every time I pick another text, I have to dive into that text to figure out what the message is for us in this moment. The problem with non-lectionary preaching, and I've done this myself, is the fact that we tend to cherry-pick Scripture texts, which means we only go back and we pick the ones we like, and we avoid the ones that are troublesome. This was not a Sunday to avoid anything that was troublesome. A number of you have commented to me about how amazed you are that I preach without notes, and I'm happy to tell you I have never preached the same sermon in my life. Each one's a unique creation. 
And no, I'm not doing extemporaneous preaching because I have 45 minutes worth of stuff in my head. And it all depends on what kind of response I get from you to tell me which one I should use, which tact I should take. So if you want a quick sermon, let me give you a hint. Just sit there and nod. I get it, yeah, whether you do or not, don't worry. If you nod, I'm going to think that you understand, and I'm just going to keep going down the track I've been going. But anyway. But don't be too amazed, because frankly, I only have the one book. I only have a limited number of texts that I can choose. And with a little bit of study, with a little bit of refresher, I can usually figure out an approach. The reason I'm telling you this is because on the 16th of September in 2001, which was the following Sunday, I can tell you exactly which text I chose. I can't repeat the sermon. But I do know the text, and it was the one that was just read here this morning. I talked about how we ought not overreact in times of stress. I talked about how we needed to be measured and disciplined in our responses to the circumstances around us. I must have done a good job because my staff parish chair actually was the first one out of the sanctuary and met me at the door on his way out. And you know what he said to me? He said, Don, I don't ever want to hear any more of that turn-the-other-cheek crap in this church again. And I'll give Wesley the credit because I turned to him and I very calmly said, well, the problem is I've only got one book. Everything I say has to come out of that text. And you're just going to have to decide whether or not it's crap. You may notice that I don't preach from the pulpit. I like having the scripture read there because that is authoritative. That is the word of God. What I tell you isn't. It is my understanding of the word of God. And as I'm so often reminded, I can be wrong. As after so often I remind those around me, but I rarely am. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but at this point, I'm sure. God calls us, each of us. God calls each of us to be able to do those things for which we have been equipped, the spiritual gifts of God. But God has a universal calling as well. We are called to be better. 
than the crowd. We are called to take the high road. It doesn't matter what others are doing. We are called to be that beacon of hope and peace and grace and love just as Christ was and is for us. We are called to be legitimately who we are and to be and to employ our better selves some might say are better angels as we interact with people you heard the text this morning it reminded me of something someone gave me when i graduated from high school And I've looked for it lately, and I haven't been able to find it. I'm afraid I'm going to have to replace it. But it's a poem by Max Ehrman called Desiderata. If you're not familiar with it, look it up. There are copies all over the place. But it holds the same spirit as our text does today. What makes us successful in life is not our ability to defeat the other, but to live with them. This is not a world where we are called to be in competition, but we are called to put in the extra effort and engage in collaboration, drawing from them their best as we offer to them our best. We are called to be better than we are tempted to be. It is so easy to go low. But like former First Lady Obama says, when they go low, we go high. Never heard that before she said it. I like it. It's not quite scripture, but I like it. That is how we embody the living Christ. That is how we together become the body of Christ. The elements of communion may act as the mortar that holds us together. But it is our spirits, our abilities our gifts, and how we are willing to offer them to each other and to God's creation that brings us to a point where we are made worthy to receive God's ultimate gift of grace because that's what we've shown. God's ultimate gift of grace. So I want you to think about your calling. Not just today, but this whole month. We are going to have pens and post-it notes. And I'm going to start this during communion today. I want you to answer that question and put it on a post-it note. 
I am called to. And when you fill out the note, we're going to invite you to take it. I am called to. Don't sign it. Just put down what you think you're called to. And once you've written the note, walk it up here and stick it to the altar. That is your offering today and for the next month. That is your task to discover your calling and to prayerfully offer it to God. Post-it notes and the pens will be here every day, every week, throughout this whole month. But I invite you to think about how God is calling you to be better. Thanks be to God. Amen.